0: This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. Or online, anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. Well, this is our part four. I think we're kind of coming to a conclusion, although it's not all we can find in God's Word on this topic. We've been talking about speaking life. We've been talking about our words we're created in the image of God. And he said, let there be life. And there was light. You know, and he said, life and death is in the power of our tongue. Anyhow, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 says, I could go on and on, you know, telling about the men and women who, through faith, stood on the promises of God. And I'd ask you last week to go home and read Hebrews 11. I'm going to ask you to do it again. You know, it's the men and women, you know, who grabbed hold of the promises of almighty God and they changed the world in which they lived. And he says here, I could go on and on, but I've run out of time. This is where we ended last week, but I've run out of time. There are so many more Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel, the prophets through acts of faith. That's just taking God at his word, believing his promise. Through acts of faith, they toppled kingdoms. They made justice work, took the promises for themselves. And that's where we ended last week. And that's where I want to start off this morning. I want to challenge you to find the promises of Almighty God and take these promises for your own. Take them for yourself. Oh, you can share with everybody because there's enough to go around, but take them. Access these promises for your very self. It's a, it, it changes things. It really genuinely do, does. It did, and it does today. They took the promises for themselves. And a promise is really ne- never uh, better or worse than the character of the one who made the promise. And I can tell you what, God has awesome character. God's yes means yes, and God's no means no. And he, he, he can be trusted 100% as we take the promises for our own selves. And, and I'm just going to ask you the question to be thinking about, as we continue this today, have you taken the promises for yourself? I'm not talking about just some historical material. I'm talking about his story. His story that he's given to us, great promises that change things, genuinely does. Let me just throw a promise out here to you in Galatians 6, verse 7. It says, be not deceived. Uh, Another way of saying that, don't fool yourself. He says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. (laughs) You, you, You will not mock God. He has a final say, and what he says will happen. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's a promise. If if you sow hatred, you'll reap that. If if you sow deception to other people, you yourself will be deceived. If you're like in your life and you're going, like, I just really need some love in my life. Go and plant it. If you need some corn, what should you do? Plant cucumbers. I don't think so. If, if you plant cucumbers, are you going to get fried chicken? I don't think so. You plant cucumbers, what's going to come up? Cucumber. Cucumbers in the right environment, you know, in, in the right temperature, they're going to come up and they're going to thrive. And you and I, the Bible says, don't fool yourself. Whether you're doing it accidentally, you're, you're planting hatred and you're planting bitterness, and you're planting unkindness, you're going to reap that. And then you come up and wonder why this is going to happen to me. Maybe you planted it. But I can tell you this, if, if you need love and you need kindness, make sure that when you see people today, anywhere and everywhere you go, plant love and plant kindness. The Bible, this is a promise. Be not deceived. Don't fool yourselves. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, That shall he also reap. That's a promise. Whatever it is that you sow, you're going to reap. I'd rather sow good seed myself. I don't want to sow no bad seed. As a matter of fact, when I came to know Christ, I prayed for a crop failure of all the bad things I'd ever done, you know, and began to plant good seeds after that. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God, whoops, let me see here. If God is for us, and he is, who can ever be against us? Now, the truth is, people can be against us, but not successfully. It says, who can ever be against us? Oh, the devil's against us, but he'll not succeed. Because greater is Christ who lives in us, you know, than the devil who's in this world. That's a scripture. That's a promise, you know. And then he goes on to say, since he... God, the father, did not spare even his own son, but he gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us? What's that next word? We don't, have, don't, oh, no, <laughs> don't, throw, don't throw them off of the balcony just because they don't have the scripture up yet, okay? It'll be there shortly, I'm sure. Let me just say what it says. All things is pretty close. My translation says Everything. Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, that's Jesus, won't he also give us everything else? What percentage is everything? 100%. He says if he's given us his son Jesus, won't he give us everything else? What is it that you need? And we're convinced sometimes by The media, and by some well-meaning person, well, God don't answer prayers no more. I'm telling you, you don't know him. I know Almighty God, and I I know he means what he says. I understand his promise, and if the conditions are met, if the conditions are met, and there are conditions to to the promises, we've got to read them and study them and find out how to apply them. It's a guarantee. I'm just telling you, that's just the way it is. It says, won't he give us everything? Out. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33. Now, are they up there? Not yet? We're working. Okay, all right, they're working. But you know what? F- this is f- why well, we have to memorize the whole Bible. Okay, maybe not the whole book, but some good passages, some good promises. Hebrews eleven thirty-three 33 says, they were f- protected... From lions. This is continuing on what we were reading. They, because by faith they were protected from lions, fires, and sword thrust. They turned disadvantaged. Have you ever had have you ever been in a situation where you were in the disadvantaged situation? You didn't have the advantage. Somebody else had an advantage over you. You know? Where would you rather be? Would you rather have the advantage? Or would you rather be in a position of disadvantage? I think we want to have the advantage. And it says here, and by faith, they turned disadvantage to advantage. It's amazing. They turned disadvantage into advantage. And I, I think we can handle some advantage. You know, God gives us the inside scoop on things. And that's what he's talking about. They won battles and they routed alien armies. I'm talking about the alien armies were running scared. When they came against God's people and, and God told them what to do and how to, to move forward, you know. But it's all because they took the promises for themselves. And it's something that you and I can do. We can take the promises for ourselves. We can take them and we can receive them. We receive them through our eyes and we receive them through our ears. Our, our eyes and our ears are gateways to our heart. And we can take the promises for ourselves, and, and they're alive. God says yes, you know, to all of his promises, I'm telling you. And God don't make no uh, pie crust promises. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. I like pie, fine, okay? But it's got to be gluten-free pie crust, okay? But pie crust is easy to make, and it's easy to break. And God don't break no promises, He don't break no promises at all. And uh, let me see here. Oh, yes, I do have something down in there. Okay. I lost it last night. Anyhow, there's a uh, guy named Crowfoot. I, I think I told you about this many years ago, and he was a great chief of the Blackfoot Confederacy, you know, in the southern Uh, Alberta, and he, he gave the Canadian Pacific Railroad permission to cross Blackfoot, Indian land, from Medicine Hat to Calgary. And he was given, in return, a lifetime railroad pass that he could travel every day if he wanted to, and whoever he wanted to take with him, his whole tribe if he wanted to do so. He was given this lifetime railroad pass and Crowfoot put it in a leather case and carried it around his neck. It looked something kind of like, kind of like this. He put this pass, this railroad pass, you know, in a little leather pouch and he carried it around his neck. You know, kind of like a, a lucky rabbit's foot. You ever have a, a lucky rabbit's foot? Well, I tell you what, I don't understand it because it wasn't lucky for the rabbit if you got his fucked. You know what I'm saying? There's a three footed rabbit at best, there's a rabbit in the freezer at worst, you know? So I don't believe in those good luck kinds of things. But he carried it around his neck, and in all the history and all the records that we've looked into, there, there's no documentation that he ever acted upon his right and traveled on the Canadian Pacific Railroad. Never one time. See, the promises of God are often treated the same way. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, here, and this is a nice little wall plaque. Would y'all like it? Sure. You can't have it, Susan. (laughs) If you can talk her out of it, you can have it, okay? I'm sorry, you know. Well, your name is Sue as well. I said, okay. Well, I'll give half of it to you then. But you know what? Now, I love love these things. I really enjoy them. And it says on here, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, Philippians 4.13, that's a fantastic promise. But some people only use it to put it on their wall to look pretty. But they don't claim it. They don't access the promise. They, They use it as a lucky rabbit's foot that the rabbit's foot really was not so lucky, right? I mean, it really wasn't at all. So I want to challenge you to to not not to do as this Blackfoot chief did, Crowfoot, who he took the the promise and he had a railroad ticket in there and it it said Lifetime Pass, Canadian Pacific Railroad. And he, oh, he valued it so much. He put it in his little pouch, you know, and he... He struggled to put it in his little pouch. <laughs> and he, he used it like a rabbit's foot. He used it like we put plaques on the walls. You know, they're nice to have around. But he never accessed it. And don't let that be about you. Don't, don't let that be the, your attitude toward the promises of Almighty God. Let's read them. Read the fine print. Learn the conditions and access the promises for yourself. Access them and share them. It's good news. Share them with other people. Fantastic. It's so wonderful. Um, This has happened to me a few times in life. More than I'd like to admit. But I've been out for breakfast with different people, different times, appointments about certain things and whatever. And I'm getting ready to leave uh, and there's a restaurant, and, and I know a lot of the waitresses at a lot of restaurants, okay? And uh, this little waitress, she came over and said, Pastor Ron, I can't take your money. Somebody already paid for your breakfast. And I'm looking around in the restaurant, and I'm trying to figure out, who was it? <laughs> That's the stuff I do. You can't do that. You know? But it was at Grace's restaurant, you know, and you understand grace. You know, God's unmerited favor. His enabling power. And you got to receive grace. And be foolish of me to pay for breakfast for two or three guys when it's already been paid for. You know what I'm saying? And a and nice stiff on top of it. And, all, and the truth of it is, we need to remember, we've got to trust what God has already done for us. And we've got to learn to receive do we not and we can be a kind of guy who likes to give but we struggle with receiving but if we can't learn how to receive you can't even be forgiven because it's a gift you can't earn it you can't pay for it but i'm telling you god he's already paid for these promises and all we can do is access them. we can't earn them all we can do is just access them and and receive them and use them and oh boy i got some good stuff in here. I got all these coupons that you can get all kinds of deals. There goes my Dunkin' Donut thing. Gift card. Can you hand me that, dear? I got all, I got pages of coupons that are greatly reduced. and Dunkin' Donut. These things came from you guys at Christmas, okay? And I've got all kinds of things that's already been paid for. Wouldn't it be foolish if I go over there? I mean, there's some. I don't know what to do with them, though. I mean, it's like for Cabela's or something like that, you know? <laughs> I might find something to do with it there, you know? And, uh, oh, Cumberland Farms, my favorite coffee spot, you know? And off all, all these things, you know, Mongolian Grill, another one of my favorite Texas roadhouse and noodles and and... I stashed the Cabela's ones. I hid them, you know. So I wouldn't lose them. But I'm telling you, it'd be foolish to go in there and try to pay for it again, wouldn't it? When a friend has already... Paid for it and they had good heart and good intentions. And God has already paid for these promises. And He's got a good heart and He's got good intentions for His children. And we need to access them and we need to do more than. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be wonderful if I just took all these gift cards and all these coupons and all this and just attached them to the wall of my house somewhere? That would be foolishness, would it not? I mean, if you gave me one of those, you know, a $50 gift certificate to to uh, Kilbelius or something. Wouldn't it be foolish if I left it on my wall forever, for years? It's just like leaving a, a train ticket all, all around my neck and never utilizing it. It goes right across my line. It would be foolish, and we need to access all the promises that God has given us. There's a little girl who pointed to the Bible that stood untouched on the bookshelf in her house, and she asked her mother, Whose book is that? Startled by her daughter's question, the mother answered, Why, honey, don't you know? It's God's book. And with eyes wide open, the little girl replied, Then don't you think we should give it back to him? No one around here ever reads it. <laughs> Whoa. How convicting is that? You know, he's giving us a book of Wonderful truths and good news and promises, but nobody around here ever reads the thing. So we don't have the wisdom to access any of the promises of Almighty God. There's an old hymn that I grew up with. And uh, do we ever get things up there working yet? No, we didn't. Okay. Anyhow, the promises, you know, it, it was put into a song. It goes, standing on the promises of Christ, my King. It's up there. Well, then sing. <laughs> Through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, I'm standing, standing. I'm standing on the promises of God. One more verse. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, Standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. And before you say I'm being sacrilegious by standing on this book, I think it's a fantastic object lesson, don't you? And we ought to do something with it more, absolutely, than just letting it sit on a coffee table or something somewhere. Second Peter chapter one, verse three says, "Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God, everything, 100 percent of what goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know, personally and intimately the one who invited us to God." And what was His name? Jesus. He's the one who's invited us to his father and says it's the best invitation we ever had. Spurgeon, great preacher of years gone by, he said, God never gives his children a promise which he does not intend them to use. When you find a promise, it's not there just to take up space. It's not there just to, you know, entertain us, have something to read. It's there he wants us. He intends for us to claim that promise. He intends for us to ride that train. He intends for us to access it and and do what we need to do with it. He really does. You know, on uh, Sunday, February the 18th, 2001, NASCAR driver, uh, the driver's name was Dale Earnhardt, known as the Intimidator, was in third place on the last lap of the Daytona 500 when his car was hit from behind and sent into the wall at 180 miles per hour. Some of you probably remember that. An autopsy revealed Earnhardt died of blunt trauma to the head. Some have suggested if Earnhardt had been wearing the hands, head and neck safety device... It was more than just a, it was more than just a helmet. I mean, it had him, it would strap you in and protect you in the case of a collision. And uh, they said if he had been wearing that hand device, you know, he would have survived the crash. Although this device was available, Earnhardt, like many other drivers that day, chose not to use it. That neglect may have cost his life. And you think about that in regards to the, the promises of almighty God. You know, sometimes we hang those promises on a nail or we put them somewhere pretty or so we can say we have them. Well, I have one of those devices in my, my locker back there, but I'm racing today and I'm not going to use it. But it's a choice that we all have to make. And we all do make that choice. In that last verse I read you, the best invitation we have received, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us already. We didn't have to come up. It's been given to us already by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. And it's been given to us, but do we access it? Do we strap it up? Do we put the helmet on? Hooking in the way it's supposed to be hooked into. Do we apply that? John chapter 3, verse 16 says, for this is how God loved the world. That's us. He gave his one and only son, John 3, 16, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish. Everyone will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world to judge the world. You're right. Is it up there? Okay, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes. The key is believing. That's one of the greatest conditions to accessing the promises of God is to believe in it, is to believe in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son, you know? It is a choice whether you believe in him or not. It is a choice whether you wear a helmet and that hands safety device that will protect you if you're in a, a collision or an impact. It is a choice of whether we accept Christ into our life. It is a choice if we take hold of all the other, at least 8,000 some odd promises that are in the Bible. It is a choice. He says here in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is talking and he says, I am the way the truth, and the life, and no one. This is Jesus talking. If you believe him, here's a promise. No one can come to the Father except through me. Good works will not get you to heaven. When you accept Christ, you'll probably do a lot of good works. But the good works is not what's getting you there. Accepting Christ is what gets you there, and that makes you want to do some good stuff, you see. And so sometimes we just kind of get that whole thing backwards. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may what was that word? Know. know that you have Turn off. If you could only know how many times I have talked to people in the 40 years we've been here, and I tell people about, you know, the Lord Jesus and how much He loves Him, how much He'll forgive Him, and, and you can know that your name is written in the book of life and your sins are forgiven. You don't know how many people have told me, you can't know if you're going to heaven or not. You can't know that. You're just going to wait till you get there and see if your good outweighs your bad, and then you'll figure it all out. It's like, that sounds pretty risky to me. You know, wait till you get to he- heaven and stand before the judge and find out if you're going to be let let in or not. <laughs> And people who say, well, you can't know that. Well, I, 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 I'll read to them. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. His name is Jesus. So that you may no. know that you have eternal life. You can know that you're forgiven. You can know your name is written in the book of life. Because the promises have said this. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. Dozens of promises everywhere tells us that we can know. Romans 15 verse 4 says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. We may have to wait patiently. You have to wait patiently on a whole lot of things, right? How many of you are waiting for your birthday to come? Can you really speed it up? Not really, you know. If you whine enough, we might throw you a party ahead of time. You know what I'm saying? But we understand being patient, you know. I mean, how many want Christmas to come? You know, again, it's just like all the kids especially. We wish we had like 300 Christmases a year, you know, or something. But, you know, we understand how to be patient. And what should we do while we're being patient, you know? We need to rejoice while we're being patient. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says, We were also given absolutely, what's that word? Terrific. Terrific. I'm talking about wonderful, marvelous. We were also given absolutely terrific promises. I'm talking about terrific promises right here that you can have as your very own today. You can access those if you want it. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. And when we find these promises, we should pass them on to one another. And then he says, your tickets, your tickets, plural, your tickets to participation in the life of God. Wow. We can participate in the life of God on the edge of our seats. And God is on the move, and he's going, hey, come on, let's do this together. Hey, come on, let's do this together. I like working with God instead of trying to run away from him and hiding from him. I like to be on the cutting edge. I like to be on the edge of my seat with God. And we can. And we've been given absolutely terrific promises. It says to pass on to you your tickets to participation In the life of God, so don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given. I'm talking about building on those promises, and then he spells it out, complementing your basic faith. These are the promises, complementing your basic faith. Here's something you build on, you know, complementing your basic faith with good character. Good character helps us get our conditions right to access the promises, spiritual understanding. You're studying and you're learning. You're talking with other people. You're you're, you're grasping the truth more and more. It becomes a rhema to you. It becomes a reality. Alert discipline. That's what a disciple is. Is a disciplined one. Passionate patience. Passionate patience. Passionate patience. Reverent wonder. Warm friendliness. Generous love. In each of these dimensions, fitting into and developing the others. All those things are just adding to the promises that we're building upon. Well, these are some of the conditions that we can speed up the promises of God. And with these qualities, verse 8, with these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its um, reward. These rewards are for us accessing the promises No day will pass without its reward. I'm talking about we can access the promises of Almighty God and receive their rewards on a daily basis. And you look out there and you see it and you experience the rewards he sends our way. He says, no day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. I'm going to tell you what it is so fantastic to hang out with him. And there is a way where you can move into relationship where well, you genuinely love him. And it is a reality, your communications with him, and, and it's not just doing religious duty. I mean, you say all these prayers for so many minutes or whatever else, but it becomes a reality that is available to us. Do you believe what God offers us? William Penn, the founder of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, was well-liked by the Indians. Once they told him, because they liked him so much, that he could have as much land, of their land, as he could encompass on foot in a single day. So early the next morning, William Penn started out, and he walked until late that night. And when he finally went to claim his land, the Indians were greatly surprised, for they really didn't think he would take them seriously. But they kept their promise, and they gave him a large area, which today is part of the city of Philadelphia. William Penn simply believed what they said. Should we do less with God? I mean, when God tells us to claim his promises, to march around that thing, and he'll give it to us, should we do less with him? William Penn, you know they named that place down there, what's, what's what's that state called? Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. And he started off with a plot of land down there <coughs> that was a gift, excuse me, from the Indians because he accessed it. He accepted their promise. And it became a reality. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says, Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days scoffers will come, mocking the truth. And I've I've heard this a lot. I really have. And following their own desires. And they will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? The Bible tells us over and over that Jesus is coming again. He came once, but he's coming again. And I've had people tell me, oh, I've been hearing that since I was a kid. People used to tell me that, well, he ain't never showed up yet. He ain't coming, you know. But listen to what the Bible says. He gave us some understanding on this particular promise and why it has been delayed. They will say, what happened to the promises? Verse 4, that Jesus is coming again. From before times, our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. And then verse 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, to some, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He don't want anybody to be left out. He don't want anybody to be lost, but he wants everyone to repent. You understand repent? Repent is a military term. It's an about face, you know, you change your direction and all. And many times i go, well, Lord, I'm, I'm ready. Come on back. And then something hits me. And I think about some family and I think about some neighbors and some friends who don't know Jesus yet. And then I go, you know what? Whatever we got to endure and put up with, I'm I'm so thankful for the delay. It gives them a little bit more time to accept Christ in their own life. Isn't that important? When we come to know him personally, we want other people to know. We want them to be forgiven. We want their names written on the book of life. We want them to go to heaven. We want these promises. And God showed us right there in his word. So God does make a promise. Faith believes the promise. Hope anticipates the promise, and then patience quietly awaits and receives the promise. Quietly awaits and receives this promise. Now, I was reading about these two brothers, cute little guys. One was older than the other one, and it was around Easter, and they were coloring some eggs, and they had all kinds of eggs. And the older brother asked his younger brother, he said, I'll give you a dollar if you let me break three eggs on your head. Older brothers, I'll tell you. I'm an older brother myself. And so the younger brother said, really? He said, yes. He said, okay. So the older brother broke one egg on his head. He broke two eggs on his head, and he said, "The, the younger, brother, is he coming? Because he's anticipating it all coming down all over his face. Is it coming? And the older brother said, I'm not going to break the third one. it cost me a dollar. (laughs) You can't always trust them older brothers. He was a sneaky kind of a guy, wasn't he? Because he didn't break three. He only broke two. It didn't cost him nothing. And you think about that, you know. Well, you think about that. Well, God's not that way. He is not trying to be sneaky. He'll not shortchange you. God delights for you to claim the promises and the blessings. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope, that confident expectation for the future. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, uh, that that we accept, that, that we acknowledge. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now, you might not trust your older brother, but you can trust God. When he makes a promise, he wants you to access it. Verse 35 says, so do not throw away the confident trust in the Lord. And don't throw away your confident trust in his promises, you know, Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. Not just grinning and bearing it, but patient endurance, which includes rejoicing while you wait. If you study that whole thing out, that's what it means. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will You'll meet the conditions. And then, I love the word then. Then, you do this, that's a condition. Then you will receive, what's that next word? All, all that he has promised. You're going to receive it all. Now, I was inspired by Winston Churchill. He spoke at a, a commencement meeting. All these, all these students that were graduating from Harvard University, and he was invited to come, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read his whole commencement speech, okay? So hang on, okay? This is what he said. He stood up there at the podium, never give, never, give never give up. 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 And then he sat down. Powerful. Lecture, I think. How many of you ever tempted to give up on something? Never give up trusting the promises of Almighty God. Never give up. I'm telling you, God is true to everything he says and he wants us to access it. He genuinely does, you know. Anyhow, years ago, and this is so interesting, years ago, when I first started feeling with the computer, y'all remember when they had all these uh chat rooms and stuff like that years ago and maybe they still do today but I haven't seen them but I would get on there and I shared the gospel with thousands of people I really did Anyhow, I was talking one night to someone just sharing and, and there was another brother who knew me and we would ask each other to kind of make legal. it legal it's like tell me about how you came to know Christ and he'd tell me and I'd tell him and everybody else is just listening in you know and things like that and uh One night, a person got on there and they were talking to me and said, Pastor, do you think that God would forgive me for something that I had done? And he told me what it was and all. And he asked me, do you think that God would forgive me? And I told him, I said, I don't think God will forgive you. And he got really, really nervous and really concerned about it. And I let that set for just a little while, you know. And then I said, I don't think he will. I know he will. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because he said, if you confess your sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from every wrong. All of our sin. I'm going to tell you. And, and let me tell you something else in regards to that. There is no sin that God will not forgive. And some people are going to go, well, the Bible talks about that God won't, there is an un. For an unpardonable sin. It's called the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. Y'all read that in your Bible? Yes. That is there. When I first read that, three days, I panicked and I was petrified. cause, And I was a teenager. And I thought that I had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. And I thought that I was banned from heaven forever. And there was nothing I could do to get in. And I began to study. And I began to read and seek God on this. And I found out, He he said... If you confess your sins, he's faithful just to forgive you and cleanse you from every, 100%, every wrong. And I read dozens of passages that echoed that same theme. So it's like, what is this? Blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Well, see, the deal is this. If you ever thought you blasphemed the Holy Spirit and it worried you and you were concerned about it, you didn't do it, okay? And it's not because God won't forgive. it. The only reason God will not forgive the blasphemers of the Holy Spirit I'll tell you in a couple weeks. (laughs) It's because when you have become so hardened in your heart, you won't ever ask to be forgiven. And that is the condition. If you confess with your mouth, you know, if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you. But if you just go like, you know, God's just going to forgive everything we do. You don't have to ask, you know, Or, or like, oh, I don't believe that. God will forgive every sin if you confess it, if you ask him to. And, and if it set me free. As a teenager, if I have continued to believe that other thing, I wouldn't be sitting here where I'm at right now. But I am telling you, if you are concerned about it, you haven't done it. Because your heart will become so hardened you would never ask for forgiveness. So that's just a little... That's just a little extra I want to throw out there to you, you know. Um, There's a guy here. Let me see here. What time is it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Dr. Everett R. Storms of Ontario, he spent a vast amount of time studying the promises of the scriptures that were contained, he believed, there was eight thousand eight hundred and ten promises, and people asked him, "How do you know that there are eight thousand eight hundred and ten promises?" He says, "Because I counted them. Because it had been believed up to that point that there was thirty thousand promises, and he came to the conclusion that there's thirty one thousand one hundred and one verses in the Bible, and all of them do not contain a promise. So he actually counted them." And so I think his number is probably closer to accurate. Dr. Storms goes on to classify the promises found in the scriptures into eight kinds of promises. He said there are 991 incidences of one person making a promise to another person in the Bible. There are 290 promises from man to God. There are promises made by the angels, most of them found in Luke. There are nine promises made by the old liar, the devil. For example, his promise to give Jesus the kingdoms of the world, if Jesus would bow down and worship him, you know. Those are not good promises, but they're promises. Two promises in the Bible are made by evil spirits. Two promises are made by God the Father to the Son. Dr. Storm additionally found That one book of the Bible contains no promises at all. Book of Titus. Ephesians has only six promises. On the other hand, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel have over 1,000 promises each. Think about that for a moment. Mm. So what section of the scripture most impressed Dr. Storm's, he wrote, was the most outstanding chapter as far as promises Our concern is Psalms 37. So he says, practically every verse is a most wonderful promise. There are thousands of promises, thousands, more than we even can access. But there are almost 9,000 promises there, and some of them are directly to us. And we just got to meet the conditions. And we can find what those promises are if we want to do so. And uh, Psalms 37, and I read it several times yesterday, but it's like four pages that I printed off here, so I'm not going to read it to you for, right now, but I would challenge you to read Psalms 37. It's only like 40 verses or something, but I challenge you to read it. It's inspiring. You know, somes good, and some are bad promises, you know, if, if we don't do certain things, but most of them are fantastic, and they're out-of- this world promises they've been given to you and me. So let me read you one more little thing here. And it's uh, these missionaries, Dick and Margaret Hillis, they found themselves caught in China during the Japanese invasion, and the couple lived with their two children in the inland town of Shinkyu. I believe that's the way to pronounce it. And the village was tense with fear, for every day brought terrifying reports of the Japanese advance. At the worst possible time, Dick developed appendicitis, and he knew his life depended on making the long journey by a rickshaw to the hospital. On January 15, 15th, 1941, with deep foreboding, Margaret watched him leave for the hospital. Soon, the Chinese colonel came with the news. The enemy was near, and the townspeople must evacuate. Margaret shivered, knowing that her one-year-old Johnny and two-year-old Margaret Ann would never survive as refugees. So she stayed put in her home. Early the next morning, she tore a page from the wall calendar that had scriptures on it. She tore the page from the calendar, and she read the new day's scripture. It was Psalms fifty six three. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Oh, boy, it was timely for her. The town emptied during the day, and the next morning Margaret arose, feeling abandoned. The new purse on the calendar was Psalms 9.10. Thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek you. The next morning she arose to distant sounds of gunfire and worried about food for her children. The counter verse was Genesis 50 verse 21. I will nourish you and your little ones. How appropriate. An old woman suddenly popped into her home with a pail of steaming goat's milk. And another stranger arrived with a basket full of eggs. Through the day... Sounds of warfare grew louder, and during the night, Margaret prayed for deliverance. The next morning, she tore the page from the calendar to read Psalms 56, verse 9. When I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. The battle was looming closer, and Margaret didn't go to bed that night. Invasion seemed imminent, but the next morning, all was quiet. And suddenly, villagers began returning to their homes, And the colonel, the the Chinese uh, colonel, he stopped and he knocked on the door. And he says, for some reason, he told her, and we don't understand why the Japanese have withdrawn their troops. No one could understand it, didn't make sense, but the danger had passed and they were safe. And Margaret glanced at her wall calendar and she had felt that she had been reading the handwriting of God. I'm going to tell you something. You don't have to have a calendar. You can speed up the process. Because I would cheat. I would go ahead and read all of them, you know, memorize them probably. But there are so many promises that God has given to his creation. That's you and me. And if we would learn those and read them and study them and just meet the conditions, and the conditions are really simple if you were just study it in its context, the promises of God are for you and for me and how come there are some people who miraculous things happen genuinely miraculous things happen and and i don't totally understand it but the and susan in my life we are seeing our prayers being answered quicker than we have ever seen them being answered before i'm talking about sometimes just a few hours sometimes a few days there's some that i'm still waiting on but it's just like whoa whoa Wow. Am I telling the truth, Susan? It's just, wow. This is amazing. Thank you, Papa God. You're awesome. You're fantastic. You're wonderful. He does everything he promises he'll do. We just got to access those promises. You know, don't just leave them hanging around your neck. And therefore, utilize them. Get a hold of them. Get them inside of you. You know, and that's where faith rises up at. Anyhow. Our time is up, and there's probably a lot of other stuff I should have said. I just had not had time to, to get to that yet. But let me uh, challenge you, give you your weekly challenge. It says, I will daily search God's promises knowing they work miracles in me, and that pleases him. When miracles work in you, that pleases Almighty God. He delights to answer your prayers and to help you in whatever's going on in your life. And I'll tell you something right now. When you find the promises of God and he starts answering those things and it's changing your life, you cannot contain yourself. You, a person in a restaurant that you don't even know or some stranger you meet at work or somebody walking down the side, of you're just like, let me tell you what happened. This is amazing. We share the good news, don't you? Don't you share the good things that's going on? You just can't hardly contain it. Well, listen, let's pray and we'll let you go. Well, Father, I just before you in the name of your son, Jesus. And we know that gives us entrance into your very throne room. You said so in your word. And I ask that you bless these men in this building and those who are watching online and those who are downstairs in the cafe and those in the, the balcony. Bless these men, almighty God. And may... Faith rise up in their soul. May the scriptures that we've looked at today trigger a passion to learn these promises and, and to access them and to claim them and put them into operation in our life. Almighty God, may it be so for the women in our church here who are all over this building, and in the balcony, and downstairs, and those watching online, I ask that faith would be ignited in them and they would grab a hold of these promises and claim them as their own. Oh, Father God, I ask that you would bless us and that, Father, your word would become a greater reality to us than ever before and that our prayer time with you would seem too short because of the things that you show us and you teach us and you commune communicate with us, Almighty God. Bless these men and women, I ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we're here uh, this morning, I would ask each of you to reaffirm your faith with me in in almighty God and declare your faithfulness to him and receive forgiveness for things where we've got off course at all. Would you pray with me? And those who are watching online, would you join us? Maybe reaffirming your faith or maybe declaring your faith for the very first time. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe the best is yet to come. I believe you've got plans for my life and I believe that you sent Jesus and he has paid in full for all the sins of my past. I thank you almighty God that I am forgiven and I receive Jesus as my savior and as my Lord. I'm sorry for my sinful ways and I choose this day to follow you. Help me God to access your promises and bring people across my path that I can gently nudge closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.